Now would you please turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 6. You'll want to have a Bible in front of you as Pastor Moody will be preaching from chapters 6 and 7 this morning, which is the full story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. I'll read out verses 8 through 15 of chapter 6 to set the context. Hear God's word. Beginning in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Well, welcome again to Cottage Church. We're so glad that you're joining us online as we together celebrate the truth of God and all that that means on this uh, Mother's Day. I've called the sermon for this morning, uh, Happy Martyr's Day. And uh, I'm referring to the story of Stephen that we're going to be looking at this morning, but also the, um, the mixed emotions that many people feel on, the, on this day. Of course, there's much to celebrate about our mothers. And yet also we have emotions perhaps of, of childlessness or disappointment and or singleness, wishing that we are married, missing our own mother, it's a complicated day, not to mention, of course, on, on this day, uh, we're still under lockdown, stay-at-home orders, and uh, what is more, graduation for many of our college students. This is a graduation that, well, it's never would have been conceived, and there's never been one like it, and perhaps there'll never be another quite like it again. And so there's a lot of mixed emotions. And as we look at this story of Stephen, of course, the first Christian martyr, I want to tell you that story and help you see how it is a story of how God uses the life of one person, an unappreciated life. And of course, that's many of the emotions that perhaps we feel on Mother's Day, unappreciated or even disappointment. The emotions around that, how God uses, this is the story of one person's life for an impact beyond their wildest dreams. And I want to tell you that story. And as I tell you that story, I want to show you then how embedded in that story there's a spiritual truth, a domino effect of how the truth of the gospel, when we truly grasp it, then leads to a life of bravery and then that leads to this impact Uh, beyond your wildest dreams. Truth leads to bravery, leads to to impact. So I'm going to tell you the story, and then we're going to look at truth leading to bravery, 
uh, leading to impact. So here's the story. Uh, the story of Stephen. We had it uh, read out for us, just the beginning of it, and you want to keep your Bible open as we look at that story together. And here's uh, Stephen. He's uh, one of the, the original seven, these men who have been set aside by the church, uh, men who were filled with the spirit and wisdom. But we're told in addition for Stephen, in particular verse 8, he's full of grace and power. Here is a man of God who's not only filled with the spirit and wisdom, but he also has a special empowering from God to proclaim the grace of God in those uh, trying circumstances. God is using him massively. And so extraordinary is the impact of Stephen's preaching, Stephen's witness, that uh, there begins to rise up opposition. There's jealousy from those who are not having the same impact. There's a, there's a sense of, of anger and even hatred that is building as uh, it seems his ministry, Stephen's ministry, seems to be threatening the, the embedded power structures of the day. And they, they gather together in these different groups. They start to throw false accusations against him. He's blaspheming. He's, he's attacking the temple. And as this, this social media gossip war begins... There starts to rise up more and more antagonism to Stephen. And it gets to such a level that it, it goes to court. Uh, the, the, the council, he's, he's brought before the council. It's, it's like the Supreme Court at, at, at the time. There's Stephen, surrounded by these learned, powerful people. And he's on his own in front of this court. And there are all these accusations. And what will Stephen do? This man filled with grace and power. And Stephen, filled with spirit and wisdom and filled with grace and power, begins to give what is, in many ways, I think the most extraordinary sermon in the book of Acts and perhaps one of the most extraordinary sermons in the Bible. Right there in front of, in front of the council, in front of the Supreme Court, Stephen is it's preaching with grace and power. It's an extraordinary message. He begins by telling the the well-known story, it's a, it's a story within a story, a story of Stephen's life and a story about how he tells the story of the truth of the gospel. When he begins, he goes all the way back to Abraham. He tells how God called Abraham. And of course, those who are listening would have thought, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know that. And he, he gets them saying yes at the beginning. Yes, Abraham. That's an amazing sermon. Yeah, Abraham, God called Abraham. He did. And he describes that in the early parts of, uh, of chapter 7, this astonishing sermon, this astonishing speech before this council. And then, and then having described Abraham, he then tells the story of Joseph. Joseph, who was sold into slavery in Egypt, but God used Joseph to rescue God's people. And they're saying, yeah, that's an amazing story. And then he tells the story of Moses. Moses, who God plucked out of his position of Princeton in Egypt to be the one who would redeem God's people from slavery and God used Moses to lead them into the promised land. And now, Stephen, in this most extraordinary story that he's telling, this most extraordinary sermon that he's preaching, begins to weave in a, a counter note, a contrary theme into the melody of this story. He begins to talk about the rebellious nature of God's people, how they didn't follow Moses as they should have done, how they didn't follow God as they should have done, how they rebelled in the, 
in the desert. And then having told that story and having got them beginning saying, yes, yes, yes. And those who are listening, this, this powerful group of people who are listening begin to think, well, hold on. Who's really the hero of this story? I, I thought we were the heroes. Who's the hero of this story? And Stephen begins to weave into the story of the whole of the Bible. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and yet God's rebellious people. Who's the hero? Is the, are the hero God's people? Who is the hero of this story? He then gets to David, God's great king. And of course, David, you read the Psalms, the, 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 the Psalms that David wrote. David was constantly faced with opposition from God's people for doing the right thing. And he's constantly struggling with these rebellious people. And more and more, this counter theme. This counter melody that's going through the, the orchestra of this extraordinary sermon, this, this amazing speech before the, the council, before the Supreme Court, this counter theme of opposition, rebellion. And then suddenly, Stephen, as he's preaching, he gets to the end of this, this story of God's faithfulness. He says, verse 51 of chapter 7, you stiff-necked people uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Well, you can imagine the response to that. He's now associating the Supreme Court, the religious elite, the ruling authorities, the moral high-level people of his age with the rebellious people in the desert. And they're outraged. Stephen full of grace and power. He, he doesn't stop preaching. He doesn't back down. He stands on the truth. They're enraged. They even, it says, uh, verse 54, they grind their teeth at him. They're so, so angry. They're like gritting their teeth. They're furious. They, they, they want to kind of attack him. And Stephen, the first Christian martyr, oh, he's filled with the spirit and wisdom. He's filled with, with grace and power and his eyes look up to heaven and he sees the heavens open the son of man Jesus himself this amazing vision of God is given to Stephen right at that moment I behold he says verse 56 I see the heavens opened and the son of man Standing at the right hand of God. In other words, Stephen's saying, I'm seeing Jesus as fully divine. And the story that he's been telling and the story of Stephen's life, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, to this day, he's saying it's all fulfilled in the Son of Man, in this Jesus. It's all about him. It's not about your temple. It's not about your physical building. It's not about you, God's people, being so faithful. No, you're rebellious. We're all rebellious. It's about the faithfulness of God and his faithfulness. Even to sending Jesus to die on the cross and be raised again from the dead and then be seated at the right hand of God, Jesus enthroned as divine and he's preaching. And then verse 58 they throw him out of the city and they stone him. They, they kill him. They, they get up rocks and they throw them at him. So he's dead. And the witnesses lay down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Luke just leaves it like that. Of course, the story is going to continue. That young man named Saul, 
There's another whole story about him. That's going to be extraordinary impact through Stephen's life. Unappreciated to say the least. I mean, he's, he's not only have people say, ah, oh, I didn't much like that dinner. I, 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 I worked really hard and no one cared for how hard I worked. Oh, I, I'm locked at home and I, and I wish I wasn't. I wish I could have a barbecue. Now, Stephen's been stoned. I mean, full of grace and power. And his faithfulness in that moment. As a young man, unnoticed, unrecognized, not yet famous, called Saul. And he hears it all. God will take that, that seed, and grow a massive tree throughout the whole world of human history through the ministry of Stephen, through the impact of Saul, who became Paul. It's an amazing story. It's a story of how one person's life, unappreciated, is used for a kind of impact as he sees the vision of the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God beyond his wildest dreams. Yes, Stephen, at this moment, this moment right now, while they're attacking you, this is the moment. Right now, while you're locked at home, this is the moment where the whole world is watching how the church is going to respond. This is the moment. You can be used beyond your wildest dreams. They say, well, how, how does that happen? Well, there's a, there's a domino effect. There's a spiritual principle that's been taught here. And it's that truth, when we grasp the truth, fully grasp the truth of the gospel leads to a life of bravery and that leads to extraordinary impact let me show you that truth truth to bravery to impact truth truth he grasped the truth you know someone else who who grasped the truth was the mother of the great augustine monica augustine for many years living a life of the prodigal son, far away from home, eating pig husks, sexually immoral. Certainly not what this mother wished her son to be. But Monica, the mother of Augustine, she grasped the truth. She held on to the truth that God is a God who answers prayer. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. Do not despise the power of a praying mother. And God answered that prayer. You've got to grasp the truth. How do you grasp hold of the truth? It's understanding, it's committing, and it's practicing. You've got to understand it. You've got to understand that the, the truth of the gospel, that God made us to be in a relationship of loving obedience, that we all have rebelled against him. Jew and Gentile. The hero of the story is not us. And God in his faithfulness is a rescuing God. And ultimately he sent his, his savior, his ultimate rescue, Jesus, the son of man, the son of God, to die for us. That if we trust him, if we repent of our sins, we'll be saved and used by him for a life of extraordinary impact. Do you understand that? Then you've got to commit to it. 
You've got to say, yeah, I, I believe in this, not just in my mind, but in my heart. I commit to this. I commit to this truth that our God is a, pr- is a prayer answering God. I commit to this truth that God is sovereign over my circumstances. I tr- commit to this truth. Write down the, the great promises of the Bible. Stick them on your fridge where you can see them each morning. Commit to the truth. And then practice the truth. Monica prayed. Stephen spoke. Each one telling someone this truth of the gospel. You've got to grasp hold of it if you're going to have this life of extraordinary impact. And then the truth, when you're filled with the truth, like, like, like a balloon is filled with air, when you're just filled with the truth of God, as, as Spurgeon said it, when if you, if you prick your, 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 your arm and you begin to bleed, you bleed the Bible, you bleed Bibline, you're filled with the truth, then it inevitably leads to a life of bravery. You know, we think of, of bravery as sort of going off to war or something like that. There are all sorts of different kinds of bravery. One of the most, the bravest women who ever existed was Katharina von Bora, the wife of Martin Luther. Can you imagine how brave she had to be with all the world against Martin Luther, with people trying to kill her husband, with attack upon attack? What a woman of God she was. How brave she was because she grasped the truth of the gospel. She held on to it. One of my favorite stories of Katharina von Bora is one time when Martin Luther was particularly depressed. He'd been struggling so long and he felt particularly down. He'd gone into his, his room and he locked the door and he was there for, for day upon day with the door locked. And the story is that Katharina von Bora actually got a, a workman to come in and take the door off its hinges, went into Luther, Martin Luther's room and said, what's wrong with you? Is God dead? Luther was stirred up again. What a brave woman. You know, we, we think of bravery as just going off to war or something like that. Of course, you've got to be brave to do that, but the, the greatest bravery, Aristotle put it like this, I count him more brave who has victory than the one who has victory over his enemies. I count him more brave than the one is the one who has victory over himself. For the greatest bravery is to have victory over your own desires, your own habits, your own tendency to do the wrong, to fight the good fight of faith, in believing to have joy filled with the spirit and wisdom, filled with grace and power, to, to embrace the moment filled with Jesus. That's, that's real bravery. The bravery to keep on playing, praying for your prodigal son or daughter. The bravery to believe that you as a single woman, that your life You have the opportunity to be a mother in Israel, a mother in God for many people. You know, I've had in my own life women who've, older women who've come along, who've prayed for me, encouraged me, mentored me. You can do that to believe that that your marriage, hard as it may be, difficult as it may be. You know, Jonathan Edwards, his wife, Sarah Edwards, she was a remarkable woman of God. She stuck with Jonathan through thick and thin. There's a well-known book written about Sarah Edwards called Marriage to a Difficult Man. Perhaps you feel that. Perhaps you feel like you're married to a difficult man. And maybe he is difficult. 
Maybe it's hard to live with, but you grasp hold of the truth. You made your vows before God. He is the one who is faithful. And right in that crucified moment of trial and difficulty, that's when God is going to use you for greater impact than you can possibly believe. Oh, bravery. You know, what is bravery? Bravery is not feeling any fear. It's not, when you're brave, it's not that you don't feel frightened. When you're brave, it's that you have the conviction that there is someone or something more important than your fears. Bravery is the triumph of truth over falsity. Bravery is the victory of truth over fear. It's the conviction that there is someone or something more important than what you fear. It's being filled with the truth and therefore looking at these false lying fears around you. God is sovereign. He's enthroned in his heaven. The son of man is at the right hand of of, of the living God. He knows what he's doing. And I can trust him. And therefore I can live a life of bravery. Even at home, in my relationships with my mother, as a man or woman of God. It's a domino effect, truth leading to bravery, leading then to impact. What an amazing impact Stephen's sermon had. What an amazing impact Stephen's life had. You know, you can trace the themes of this chapter seven. You can do it on your own at home afterwards. I've done it at some length myself. You can trace the themes of Stephen's remarkably well-constructed orchestral multiple themes story of the faithfulness of God. You can trace that theme and see how it lands in the theology of the apostle Paul. There's Paul then called Saul, listening to the sermon, giving approval to his death, for he has not yet been converted. But he hears that message. He hears what's been said. And when God's spirit comes upon him, that truth that he heard is then brought to life. And, and in Paul's theology, the, the message of repentance and faith as Stephen preached, the message that the whole Bible lands at the feet of Jesus as Stephen preached, the message that we who trust in Jesus, Jesus is the real temple. And we who trust in Jesus, we have, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That message, those themes is embedded in the ministry and life of Saul who became Paul. What an impact Stephen had. What an impact you can have. What an impact you can have as you're faithful in this very moment. Not designed by you. Stephen didn't decide that he would appear before the Supreme Court. It wasn't his strategy for a life of impact. And yet there he is, filled with grace and power. He's faithful. He's faithful to speak. He's faithful to live. You be faithful. Be faithful at home. Be faithful to your marriage. Be faithful to your mother. Be faithful to your grandmother. Be faithful to your father, your husband. Be faithful to your wife. Let the truth of God fill you so much like an air filling a balloon that then you're brave to live the life of Christ in you and therefore have this extraordinary impact. I'm going to finish with another story. It's a story of uh, a woman who, who never was married. 
she never became a mother. And yet she was a mother to many, many people. And now, throughout the history, thousands upon thousands have been influenced by her, whether they know it or not. Her name is Florence Nightingale. In the 19th century, nursing. Are there any heroes today that we're talking about a lot of the nurses and the medical professionals? Florence Nightingale transformed nursing in her lifetime. She came from a wealthy family uh, background. Uh, She was uh, born in Italy, Florence. And the expectations, she was a, a, a beautiful, accomplished young woman. The expectations that she would marry well and live a life along the traditional lines. But one day, she sensed a call from God to a life of service. And she didn't know exactly what that meant. She began to explore it. And she became aware that, that nursing in those days was, was an unappreciated, uh, even shameful activity. Uh, but she told her parents that she, she was going to be a nurse, and they were horrified. She began to explore it in Europe. She went off to different countries to try and figure out what, how to do nursing. And then there was a war, Crimean War, and a place called Balaclava in the Crimean War at the time, where she went to this place of great suffering, with thousands of people being killed. She went to the hospitals and discovered dirt, grime, disease, lack of care for the sick and dying. Florence Nightingale, this rich, beautiful, sophisticated young woman, went into those hospitals. And because she believed that God had called her to a life of service, she started to do everything she could to improve those sick and those dying. She ministered to them the truth of the God. There's one story of a man who was very frightened what would happen after he died, though he believed in Jesus. And he said, will you please take care of these people around me, though I don't know whether God will take care, take care of me. And she said to him, surely God is more merciful than you are. And that man died in comfort and assurance of the grace of God. She, she believed that God had called her to life of service. She was called Lady of the Lamp because when the night came, And everyone else disappeared. And those wounded and sick and dying were lying on beds, moaning on their own, no one nursing for them. Florence Nightingale would come around with a lamp and sit down by one and another, talk words of comfort, nurse and take care of them. She had an extraordinary impact. In many ways, she's the founder of modern nursing. You know, there's a there's a recording of her voice. In those days, in the 19th century, there weren't the same recording abilities that we have today, of course, but they just were beginning to be able to record people. And there's a recording of her voice. You, you can still listen to it uh, on, on YouTube. There's a recording of her voice from 1890. And they specially wanted to record how she sounded. And in that recording, she says, when, when my name and memory has long gone. I want this my voice. And then she says, may God bless my comrades. What an impact. For one life. One life. Fully devoted 
to Jesus. D.L. Moody famously said, God is yet to see what, well, the world is yet to see what God can do through one man fully devoted to him. And we might add this morning, through one woman fully devoted to him. Even if that life seems unappreciated. Even if it seems that there's the council around, the, the rulers, the, the judgment of your peers and friends that is casting stones at you and aspersions through social media, whatever it is, you feel that you're not being appreciated. There you look, there's a vision beyond your wildest dreams. The son of man at the right hand of God and yeah, a life of service. Right now, even at home, loving those that you're locked in with, reaching out through electronic means and other means to those around you, speaking the gospel, practicing the truth, grasping it, and therefore filled with bravery. Yeah, we have the truth. Not because we're so great. No, we're not the hero of the story any more than the, those, those council members were the hero of the story. The hero of the story is God and his faithfulness for Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and ultimately in Jesus He's the hero. He's the savior. And we grasp hold of that. Like a drowning man grasps hold of a lifeboat. Filled with that truth. Letting it fill us like air filling a balloon. God is faithful. God is sovereign. No plan of his can be thwarted. And we're brave. We're brave with our time. We're brave with our resources. We're brave with the way we love those around us. We live a life of service and there's an impact beyond our wildest dreams. One life. The story of one life. And it's extraordinary impact. Stephen, Augustine's mother, Monica, Luther's wife, Katerina von Bora, Jonathan Edwards' wife, Sarah Edwards, D.L. Moody, the world is yet to see what God can do through one man or one woman fully devoted to him and your life. And your life. If this morning you will grasp the truth and then be brave and then live a life of service, the impact, the story, that could be the story of your life. Oh, Lord God, we do pray that you would fill us with the truth of the gospel. Fill us with the truth, your truth. We pray, Lord, that we would understand it and commit to it and practice it. We thank you for the life of Stephen and his bravery. We thank you for our mothers. We thank you for faithful men and women in our midst, single, married. And we pray, Lord, that in these days, you would use us, each of us, and us collectively as your people to tell a story of a life that has an impact beyond our wildest dreams. We pray this, Lord God, fill us with the spirit and wisdom, fill us, fill us with grace and power that you might be honored. We bow before you, sovereign Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.